0: Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Thanks for tuning in to the Tremendous Leadership Series, Leaders on Leadership, where we pull back the curtain on leadership. Our guest today is the one, the only, Mark Victor Hansen. You know that name because Mark was the co-creator of the entire Chicken Soup for the Soul series that has gone out in hundreds of different variations and sold hundreds of millions of copies throughout the world. Mark has 44 years of experience in leading, innovating, and marketing. And we are so excited to hear about his perspective on the price of leadership. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast, Leaders on Leadership, where we interview world renowned leaders and pull back the curtain on leadership and talk about what it really takes to pay the price of leadership. And today I am so excited because I have the one, the only, the truly tremendous Mark Victor Hansen as my guest. And you may be thinking, Mark Victor Hansen, how do I know that name? We all know that name. Mark is the co creator of the chicken soup for the the Soul book series that has been in a, around for more than 44 years of helping people or organizations reshape their personal vision of what is possible. And Mark, you can tell us how many Chicken Soup for the Soul series there are and how many millions upon millions of books they've sold, but thank you so much for being here. Mark also has his latest book out with his wife, Crystal Dwyer Hansen, and it is called Ask the dreams, from, the dreams from Your Dreams to Your Destiny. And we're excited to talk about that today, too. Mark, thank you so much for being here.
1: My pleasure. As I told you earlier, Tracy, your dad and I were very close friends. He was exceedingly helpful. As you know, he was one of the great inspirations in my life. I mean, you know, he sold uh, the number I remember, and if I got a wrong number, you correct it. I've sold a half billion books, but dad sold a 100 million, uh, predominantly, other people's books from a platform like he and I would do the Amway meetings, and, and it was so cute. You know, your mama, Gloria, would be sitting in the front row and he said, shh, don't tell anyone, but I'm not charging what I need to be charging for the leadership series, the teenage series and whatever the other sales series. Those are the three that I remember and and would charge, I think it was like crazy cheap. Forgive me, there's five parts to marketing, which we can go through, but price is one. And he made it so irresistible that. I would remember the first time I was with him on a program with Amway, whatever number I give you is wrong, but 12,000 people. So it's big numbers for me, and I was only selling a little stuff. But Dad would bring in three truckloads of stuff. Did you help serve on those?
0: I did well. All of us did. Little kid when I was. Yeah, I was the tail end. I was the fifth out of six. But oh yeah, we would make those these bundles, and he put them in these power pack boxes. Yeah, go crazy. Yeah.
1: By the way, one day, you know, your dad had me raise money at at Christmas Park for. um, We did Hershey, and we raised money for all the kids that weren't going to have Christmas, and that was very touching. But one day, I don't know why. You know, I talked at Hershey a bunch of times, and I'd always come and see Dad. And I went to your home a couple of times and had meals, but and church and all kinds of things and prayer. But it, and one time, just as a cute aside, everybody gonna love this. When I first meet your dad, I'm a 26-year-old desperate to do this, and I drive all the way over from Long Island where I was living, and he walks into a restaurant. I'm going to say there's 100, 400 people. It's packed. Lunchtime, he says, everybody, everybody, quiet, quiet, quiet. Dr. is going to deliver a prayer now. I'm going, what? <laughs> I just, your dad was tremendous, but he was also so outrageous that, that he would surprise the, the bejesus out of people, yeah. especially me, with yeah. some of his antics, but that's why he was – you know, I, I teach in, in all my books and 309 bestsellers and, and all the companies. I'm a serial entrepreneur. You gotta be you gotta be unique if you're gonna make it. You've got to be transformational, which mm. your dad obviously was. And number three is you it's gotta be inevitable. Well, it was inevitable that people found because he was reading through the books and, and he his adoration and sincerity and authenticity and love for books, you know, and he just kissed them and and, and the people go, Oh, I got to have that book series. I'm not a reader. And he said, If I become a reader, you know, you're going to be the person you are five years from now, except the books you read, the people you meet. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, dad, you know, it was a line I quoted him a gazillion times when I was out uh, selling millions of dollars of stuff from a platform.
0: He he just loved that. And he would hit that price point. It was unbelievable. And this is back before Amazon and all that stuff when, when people would just be like, uh, but what that was, that was our vacations. We'd travel with him and we'd work the book table. And it was just, it was a phenomenal experience. And I still have people, Mark, that call me that were at those and now are asking me to send, make bundles up for their grandkids. So, you know, it obviously had an impact on people and it lives on.
1: Well. I, I'm even one of the guys that bought when he would have given it to me free. <laughs> I think he would have. I don't know. Maybe not. Char- anybody but Charlie. No, no, he would, have, he would have. He would have. He was a great oh. man and a great friend. And the last time I saw him, I won the Horatio Alger Award a long time ago. But you go every year, and he came in with a patch over his eye. And he was with Truitt Kathy, who he was mm. very keen on, and Mister Chick Fil A, and it was just it was wonderful.
0: Oh gosh! Well, thank you for sharing that, and thank you for sharing with our tremendous listeners the long legacy that we have. And I'm just so thankful that you have stayed a part of my life. And the minute we reached out to you about this podcast, you're like right on the calendar.
1: So but you just, you're just the just real deal. Aside, there are people that believe that I don't know all the people I know, like you and your dad. And they go, "You didn't really know Charlie, and you didn't know this jig." Yeah. And I said, "I was on the program. I get. Good oh yeah. Saying, the, we. There are only." whatever number I give you again is wrong and it's made up, but maybe there are a hundred of us. And I think there are probably only 20 or 30 of us that did a lot of work. And mm-hmm. I'm one of those. Yes, and, you are. Was, and Charlie was and Cabot was, and, you know, I, you know, Maxwell wasn't around yet and stuff like that. John Maxwell.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you are the real deal. And now you are helping me, the next generation of leaders, and everybody listen to this podcast to pull them up. So I can't wait to talk with you about the price of leadership. Um, You know, my dad was all about conquering the world, but he was also very real and pragmatic that, listen, you're going to love it, but I'm not going to baby you. And I'm going to get, tough love was his favorite kind of love because he's like, I can't coddle you because the world is going to kick you in the teeth. And I don't want you to like lose it. So he has this price of leadership book. And so knowing that you met him at 26 to where you are now and the journey that you've been on, I just can't wait to hear about the grit and the stripes and the scars that you have on your journey to being a leader, Mark. So the first one he talked about, the first price of leadership, he says, is loneliness. And we've all heard that well it's lonely at the top it's a, a big reason why a lot of people don't want to step into leadership because uh, they don't want to stop being one of the boys or one of the girls. But can you talk to me about your journey as a leader, and even now how you process loneliness, what it means for you, and what you would recommend to other leaders out there that may be in a season of loneliness
1: in seventy four i'd uh... I'd been in graduate school with the smartest guy on the planet as far as Oscar Buckminster Fuller, 15 doctorates at Harvard, 2,000 inventions like geodesic domes, spherical buildings, odd triangles, created a concept called World Game, how to make the world work for 100% of humanity. Einstein's best student, he finished E equals MC squared. And and I'm, I'm going to be a doctor of physiology and the head of physiology was part of NASA. And he said, look, the smartest guy... Like me, got fired at Harvard, and they all came to Southern Illinois University because our president was smart enough to say, "I'm not an ageist." Today, we're worried about racism. Back in the in the uh, 1966, 67, 68, we we're worried about ageism. If you're over 65, you're useless. Over and mm-hmm. out of here. And and you and I know that, that, that that's idiocy because you're just getting good, right? right. And I'm right. 72, so I'm really clear about that. Anyhow, right. so I'm writing more profoundly now than ever, but. I tried to be Bucky Fuller, which was my mistake. And I went bankrupt like that. I had a $2 million business. I built New Wall Street Racket Club, botanical gardens, aviaries, houses, cat cages. But I was building out of plastic at exactly the wrong time. Exactly. Okay. 1974. I don't know when you were born, probably after that. But the fact of the matter is, is that that's the oil embargo hit. And they said, we could, Arabs said, we can write checks on bigger banks. About. Well, I went bankrupt, Tracy, so fast I had to check a book at the library: "How to Go Bankrupt by Yourself." Oh, I'm on I'm on the court steps in the Eastern District of Long Island, and a and a ambulance chasing lawyer comes up and said, "Buddy, I'll take you bankrupt for three hundred dollars." I said, "If I had three hundred dollars, I wouldn't be go bankrupt." <laughs> <laughs> so so for six months, I'm sleeping in a sleeping bag in front of some other guy's room, and then all of a sudden, it finally came to me because in our in our new book ask we teach ask yourself ask others and ask God all of which we'll cover before we're done <laughs> if you want but i asked myself well, what do i really want to do mm-hmm. well what i really want to do is talk to people that care about things that matter that would make a life changing difference so i go to my roommates i'm living in hicksville long island new york paying a, we're paying 100 dollars a month rent and i asked my three roommates i said do you know anyone that's not a lawyer not a doctor, not famous, not a celebrity and not a cotton top, meaning white haired old person. And he said, and the kid was a few years older than me, but he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's my ticket. There's a, a speaker that wows people out in Hawpaw Long Island, New York. And here's my ticket. It's today. And it was eight 30 in the morning. I, the only thing the bankruptcy courts had not taken is my beat up $400 pitted window permanently. I <laughs> like trip like this. And I race out there. I listen to this guy talk for three hours. I am blown away, mesmerized 500 people. And it was, real estate was going where it's going right now. So I'm being real clear, we're going to have a stock, my position. I'm not wishing it. I wish it wasn't. But, you know, the, the market's not working. We've got a tourniquet on. Anyhow, this guy wowed it. I went up to him after I said, his name's Chip Collins, became my best friend and my close mentor. You need close mentors and spiritual external mentors, I think, both. Correct. Some yes. that you can't get to with books and tapes and audios and videos and podcasts. Anyhow, Chip, I said, I, I'll buy you lunch, but tell me how to do this business. He said, look, kid, chance you make this one in a thousand. Nobody makes it. It's a tough business and you're going to get hung out there. So I'll tell you, but I own a real estate market in five boroughs of New York. You don't touch that. And I'll teach you what to do in, in life insurance, which is how I ended up meeting your dad because he was doing a hundred million dollar operation. Wow. So, um you know, I start doing little talks at little offices. I did a thousand talks a year the first three years. Now only two of us in the business have ever done that much. Your dad used to sleep in airports at night because he right. no one would pay him. But right, my, right. Deal was, my deal was different. I was remember I'm I'm where 18 million people live in Metro New York, five areas, and and only Tony Robbins and I, as far as I know, did a thousand talks a year the first three years in the business. And either you get really good or you get crushed. It's that's right. the choice. It seems to me. And, and thank God I got good. But then, so the first year I made like 75 grand speaking and I was starting to move up again. And some, everybody said, you got that story in a book. Cause I, you know, I mastered the fine art of storytelling. I got to tell you, my mother was a phenomenal storyteller. She, we can talk about mumsy if you want. And dad was taught work ethic to my brothers and me as Danish immigrants. Remember this, yes. was, there's was not a lot of choice. And dad wanted us to take over the bakery. And I said, I don't know what a white glove guy is, but I'm pretty sure I'm one of those guys. <laughs> Anyhow, um, I said, OK, I'll do a book. So I did a, a self-published book and I used to go to my audience and I said, this is not a national bestseller, not a New York Times bestseller. This is my bestseller. And the first little audience I talked to with uh, in life insurance in New Jersey, it's so clear because when you make a lot of money, they're paying $10 each, right? And I signed everyone. Tracy, you're the most wonderful person in the world. Whatever I wrote, right? Because it was, ha, 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 I've arrived. Just like your dad did about You Are Tremendous is the way he signed one of my books, one of his books to me a long time ago. I, I think that's what he signed. Anyhow, um, I sold 20,000 copies, Tracy, in the worst market ever at $10 each. That's $200,000. I tripled my income. And so I started doing the talk how to triple your income, double your time off in the worst market. Now take that fast forward to today because you asked two questions in one, if you don't mind my bifurcating your question, Mm -hmm. we're in the same time again. Mm -hmm. And what I teach, what I believe, what I know to be the truth is every one of us, every one of us has got to take adversity, turn it into advantage, take Mm -hmm. adversity, turn it into opportunity, which is why the other book, if you go to my website, markvictoransett.com, how to be up in down times, you know, we're teaching how to turn it around because as we're doing this podcast, and I don't know when anybody's going to be watching it, airlines have, sold, have fired two thirds of their people. Right. They're firing I their management, they're firing yeah. their flight attendants, they're firing the, the um, pilots. You know, if you're a pilot and you're 55 years old, you've always said, well, I'm going to fly for the rest of my life. And, and they are only allowed to fly to 65. I was on mm-hmm. the board of the biggest airline, so I'm really clear What this looks like, Evergreen Airlines, I was on the board of for 15 years, Um, all the UPS planes are ours. We paint the planes brown, the people wear brown, all that. But it's called white label if you know business, right? Mm -hmm. You know that term? White label? Anyhow, um, I mean, you should know books are white labels, essentially, (laughs) that your dad did so well. By taking dead people's books and bringing them back to life. And they're great books.
0: <laughs> hey, <laughs> am... it's seminal thinkers. It's the wisdom of the ages.
1: Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm glad to learn from you and talk to you elsewise about how to do that again and help. Okay. So so right now we're in the same place. Each and every one of us has got to pivot. And you say, with well, the internet, fair. It doesn't matter, fair. The story we got to read from a spiritual point of view, from my point of view on leadership, is Joseph is so many color code. He had a vision that he would control the world. Mm-hmm. And he went through the tortures of the damned. And if you don't know the story, go back and read the last chapter of Genesis. But the bottom line is a critical line here. What you meant for my harm. His brothers were tragic to him. They they said he was dead. They put him in a pit. They sold him into slavery. He was in jail for 13 years. He got besmirched by Potiphar's wife, you know, saying because he was obviously an elegant, good looking, handsome man. And she mm-hmm. said she tried to seduce him. And he said, no, dice. I am a man of principle. Anyhow, yeah, the bottom line is, what you meant for my harm, God meant for a good. Ladies and gentlemen, right now is the most opportunity ever because it's not you alone that are locked down. There's 8 billion of us that are locked down. That's 8 billion. Everybody on the planet is locked down by, respectively, their own government, but it, it's a mistake because we got some ways to solve this, Right. which we can right. talk to if you want.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And that kind of cures the loneliness. You know what I'm saying? Thinking you're the only one going through this because this isn't just a national thing. This is global. And so, I mean, when you said that, that really brought to the realization, we're not only helping each other, but this is for the greater good of all humanity to to build this resiliency and this robustness and get this out of, uh, because if it's not this, it'll be something else down the road. It always is.
1: You're always going to have crisis when, when, When I was pro-China, and I love the people in China. I hate the government. I hate communism. Communism and atheism is the same, and I'm opposed. Anyhow, and they're ruthless. And as we talk, they're taking over Hong Kong. I love Hong Kong. When I was a student ambassador to India, I had to fly out of Hong Kong because our university taught teachers to teach in Hong Kong and Thailand, and I got to visit all those places because they thought I was smart. Uh, I fooled them, but it was great. It was great fun, <laughs> and I thought, oh man, I want to live in Hong Kong, but its it they're merciless. They took over Tibet, and while I'm a, a very loving, espousing Christian, I love the Dalai Lama. He is a man of phenomenal kindness, and he killed a million, two hundred thousand of his people, and if we allow this to go, it is a mistake of leadership at every level. I, I don't know what the president's going to do, but I know my position is going to stay my position. We need to keep Hong Kong free, Taiwan free. My wife and I got hired. To, I got I, I wrote a book called One Minute Millionaire, which is the number one book right now in, in um, Vietnam for the last two years. And they paid me 75 grand to come in and do a day seminar on that because I was trying to teach uh, proactive capitalism I'm personally a flaming capitalist I believe of all the systems like like our friend uh, Winston Churchill said that you get three basic systems capitalism socialism and communism but as Candace uh, Owen says she's got a new book out called blackout and she says socialism is tested tried and terrible right and, and Hitler killed six million people Stalin killed 58 million people and Mao and the new guy running China is an absolute Mao. Was he, his first line where Hitler said today, Germany, tomorrow the world, he said, I want hegemony. Do you know this word as a leader?
0: No, I have not heard that word.
1: You need to know this word because that means world domination. See, nobody knows it. So you've got all these dumbass yeah. politicians and now I'm in judgment. And right. I know judge not, judge not, be not judge. But hegemony means world domination. I don't want anyone telling me to be a communist or anything other than what I am, a free, enterprising right. American. Right. Oh
0: my gosh. Oh, Mark. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. thanks so, your Dad.
1: I have lots of opinions and most of them are pretty well founded.
0: <laughs> I know. I, I was going to say, you know, I mean, and it's an understanding of human nature. And if you don't think that this can't happen here, you're not paying attention. And like, I weep when I read what's going on in Hong Kong. And I'm like, well, we're so squirreled up here worrying about nonsense. I mean, yeah, we got problems, but nonsense. these people are about to lose it all and be usurped into somebody else. And I mean, I can remember like, I'm a sci-fi fan. When I would watch Star Trek, the Borg, where you would prepare to get assimilated. I would have nightmares for like years. I'm like, I can't watch that because when you take away our individuality, and yes, we have the right to disagree and the freedom of choice, but when you take away the ability to just work and love work and 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 take opportunity and create your own outcome, man, what is life then? It's yeah, really. No, you scary. Don't want to be
1: part of the Borg, and no, that's exactly be- what I met Gene Roddenberry, and Gene Roddenberry was not only a genius, but he was a futurist, as am I. And and he could, and he studied with the guy here in Arizona, where I live now, that that could look literally 3,500 years in advance. That's why he created the Prime Directive. Right. The Prime Directive is uh, anti-board. Right. Or, or RG, right, board. Right.
0: Well, and Mark, but you know what? This isn't a new thing. Look at All the stuff that has gone before, the civilizations in the past, since the dawn of mankind, that have taken over each other, tried to eradicate another, enslave one another, and, (coughs) excuse me, this is, it is what it is, it's part of our human nature, but we have an option not to do that. And so that's why I love the fact that what you're focusing on is that, that bright side of humanity, that bright, that, that God seed we have in all of us. We also have the bad seed, but we also have a way to come out of it. And I mean, I just think as leaders, that's what leadership is about. Cause otherwise why do it? Why not just claw and fight and, and cheat and kill your way to the top? It's just, it's the antithesis of leadership. Yeah.
1: When I, when I was a student ambassador in India, I studied and got to go to Gandhi's house and Gandhi said, Look, there's enough to take care of the needs of everyone—eight billion people—but there's not enough for the greed of a few men or women. That's the thing. And and not only is that true, but uh, you know, we just we the people that don't have spirit and don't understand, do unto others some of these basic laws of leadership. You know, think well. I'll just omnivorously take it, and then they'll love me because really, what they're loathing is they're lacking self-love. Right. And, and in in our book, ask we say, look. The seven roadblocks to asking are the first one is deep, profound sense of dis- you could have any one, you get a multiple more than one, but disconnectedness and feel it's deep sense of unworthiness. If you don't, as a leader, if you don't understand the first leader you got to lead is you, you can't go lead somebody else. If you don't lead you, and you've got to lead you to the highest and best. You've got to study other leaders, no principles, Really ask yourself what are the principles that I'm going to provide for, and that's why when I wrote How to Be Up and Down Times, Mitzi Purdue, who was with her husband Frank, she's 84 now, but is I don't know if you've interviewed her yet, but no, a in, couple
0: the, weeks, yeah, yeah, Can't they, they wait.
1: twenty-two million chickens a week. So this is the, and they're all organic and are all antibiotic free. But she interviewed Frank, and Frank has 12 leadership principles that I read their book, his book, of course, and it's, and I never met him, of course, but we are like one, like. Your dad, you and I, and my wife, Crystal, would love Frank because I love Mitzi. And just, it just shows that, you know, great leaders write great stuff. And then they do stuff that nobody else could do. And, and his kids, he's got a family business, you know, Purdue Chicken. And, and the sons are taking, have taken over and are really doing it right. They do, they do everything right. And that's what I'm it. saying is it real leadership is principal leadership. But yeah, most people aren't learning principles like the the idiots that are taking down statues and that, which I'm very opposed to, don't understand what they're doing. Can I give one quick example? Yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they're taking out Frederick Douglass, 13 statues in one day. I, as you know, I won the Horatio Alger Award for Distinguished Americans. It means I've come from rags to riches and I've been excessively philanthropic. And it means that you got to go there every year. And every year we give a quarter billion dollars to uh, to take at risk kids and get them to college. And, and, uh, we, I, I guess we've helped 37,000 kids get graduate college or tech school. And it's just wonderful. But last year, Chris and I are there and we're in the Supreme court with judge Clarence Thomas, you get the award in the U S Supreme court. Mm-hmm. I mean, your dad was there and it's a gold medal. It's very, it's big stuff. And there's 10 to get matriculated, but big, and I got it in 2000. So I've been going for a lot of years, a decade, two decades. So, you know, Judge Clarence Thomas says, Hey, would you wait in my personal conference room and talk to you, Mark? And I go, oh. You know, Supreme Court judges ask, you just, I get goosebumps telling you I did it. But the point is, as big as that wall, he had Frederick Douglass' personal autograph painted picture, the most important picture that Douglass ever had painted of him. And Cl- Judge Thomas has it. And I thought, Wow, these guys are taking it down. And that guy was a black abolitionists. And when I watch on TV and they interview the people that are taking down the statues, I said, what do you think about abolition? And they said, what's abolition? You're right. So, ay, right. Ay, 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 you guys are absolute ignorant idiots.
0: Ignorance. Yeah. Well, and it's 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 uh, become an ideology and it's moral relativism, which means the standards the judeo-christian the love covers all, the respect for authority out the window. And that's what happens when you see when you see this. It doesn't matter. And 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 that complete utter lack of respect for anybody that has gone before you and, and not even contextualize their leadership throughout time. I mean, you read the old, I read Proverbs every day. I read Psalms and I, and I hear about, um, you know, what used to go on in the Old Testament, but that doesn't mean you vilify people. They're different. You know what I'm saying? The world changes. And when we lose sight of that, um, what have we become? Or what are we becoming? Well, they, they want us to become nothing. They want us to be nothing of anything that we ever were. So, um, yeah. Which
1: is so, the opposite of what I teach. I'm teaching, look, Ask is about how do you figure out how to go the bridge, bridge, bridge from your dreams to your destiny? Because what we're saying is everybody has a phenomenal destiny, right? And books just say no, 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 no. I'm an accountant, or I'm a, I just, I just clean beds here at the hotel. Well, let me, let me do a bed cleaning story just real quick if I could. So, uh-huh. uh, Tina Turner, you may know this story. It's a great story, and I love telling it. But Tina no. Turner gets beat up by her husband. That's called abuse. And gives her 37 cents and get out of here and says, you'll never make anything. And because she bought into lack of self-worth, she ends up being a a maid in Ramona, California at a Radisson hotel. Well, all of a sudden, one day somebody hears about that named Mick Jagger, who I I never would have predicted this, but Mick Jagger says, where is she? Finds out where she is, goes personally and says, you're not a maid. You're one of the great singers of all times. And he built her self-esteem up again. She comes out and does well makes so much money, she goes back to the hotel, buys the hotel, and the general manager had been good to her because he liked her music, but he couldn't really do anything for her. She walks up to him and said, Here, I've just bought the keys to this hotel, and now it's your hotel because you were always nice to me when I had 37 cents in my pocket. You let me eat that day and go to work day one. There's a lot of people out there that are hanging on by their fingernails. I'm saying, I'm sorry that you're there. I've been there twice, so I don't like it. Didn't like it. Nobody likes it. But the point is, it's not up to the government. It's not up to somebody else. It's not up to your wife, your brother, your system or, or, you know, looking for a handout temporarily. You can get fed at a a food shelter or Goodwill or Salvation Army. But long term, you need to raise up from the inside out. That's what leadership's about. And when you do it, you're going to help a lot of people. I mean, I've had over a billion readers. There's no question about that because the pass along value of my book so high. Books, plural, um, and it just—it's exciting. But I'm not done because i the Bible says you on Genesis three six. You know, you live as long as you want, but at minimum one hundred twenty years, right? The old mosaic thing. Right. I'm going to be options for renewal because if you have high quality of life, you want to have high quantity of life, and you want to have high quantity, especially if you're contributing. Because in the Old Testament, the first thing is God created the, ha- you know, but it's twenty-seven times, twenty-eighth time, God created you and I in the image and likeness therefore it means we're here for two reasons one to create and number two to contribute Mm -hmm. now if you're a leader you're supposed to keep recreating yourself make yourself new bigger better and everyone says well come on mark why don't you retire what do you retire i'm having a light time of my life i'm having fun on these podcasts my wife and i love our five kids and our six grandkids you know come over and swim in a pool and play and travel with us it just when we could travel. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Which well, dad never liked retirement. Open. Yeah, yeah. Well, people would say to him, you know, my father, they'd, they'd be like, and even the day before he died, he'd still call people, asking them what they read and stuff. And whenever somebody would say to him, he'd say, what do you do? And they, they're like, uh, I'm Charlie, I'm retired. And I'm like, oh, no, don't say that. And he would smack him on the head and say, don't you talk so stupid. You know, you you. how old are you? 65, you just figured it out. Now you need to get back in there and help other people.
1: By the way, your dad, I never heard him say that because <laughs> I was younger, but is it, I wrote a book with Art Lingler, the guy who created Hula Hoop oh, and Kids Say yeah. the Darnest Thing, and uh, amazing guy. But we said in our book called How to Make the Rest of Your Life the Best of Your Life, Art and I said, don't retire from something to nothing. Retire. Put on new four new tires and go in a new direction.
0: Oh, and, nice. You know,
1: more exciting, more opportunistic than ever before. And, yeah. you know – I think I wrote the line, actually, but Art liked it and said, I'm not going to quote you because we wrote it together. I said, you don't have to quote me. Let's just sell the book. And it helped a lot of people because no one should retire to nothing because my cliche is if you retire from something to nothing, you expire. Yeah, absolutely. And if you mentally expire, your body goes down, your health goes down. I mean, I'm dealing with a lot of people that are in their 80s and like Mitzi is 84 and I shouldn't be saying that aspect, but you know, she sounds twenty because she's alive, she's vibrant, she's excited, she's enthused, she's, and she's so brilliant that it would be a, a crime not for me to help get her on your podcast and other podcasts, and, and vice versa. And, I mean, she has helped us so much. I, I you know, she's become a best friend, and I've only met her by telephone, and we wrote a whole book together.
0: Well, I had somebody call me to ask about Dad's books to just get on get his books for his grandkids and stuff like that. And Mark, I thought this guy—I mean, I thought he was like my age. He's—I'm like, well, how old are you? And he's like, I'm ninety-two. And I'm like, ninety-two, and you're calling up, you know, so we can process your order to get books out there. And he's like, Oh yeah, I, you know, I'm just figuring this all out. And it's just—it's so beautiful. And but I love back to loneliness. You said you've been there. We've all been there. Tina Turner yep. was there. And and the best thing I think hearing what you say is just. Get Get out there, don't suck your thumb, don't wallow, but make yourself available because the right people will come at the right time when God has that opportunity and that timing all in, but also be open to it. You know what I'm saying? Some people are embarrassed or whatever, or, or uh, think it's owed, but just dad would always say that. He grew up in extreme poverty and flunked out of school and he's like, hey, we didn't know we were poor. We we're just thankful to be thankful. You know what I'm saying?
1: that's the whole point that's why we wrote ask and we didn't know we were going to go into a sequestration of time but the fact is is that once you get there you got to ask your way out and and there's no better thing to do than read our book right now and then go to our go to once you get a book and you can only get it at amazon because all the bookstores are closed and unfortunately because it's this stupidness and i'm i'm in judgment i know judge not all that but the Barnes & Noble's bankrupting. Quite honestly, they can't buy books because they had paid their overhead because remember, we're only going to be shut down two weeks and now it's right. four months. Right. And, and so the bookstores are probably not going to come back, which if you look at the evilness in that of what's happening now, what did Hitler do? He burnt books. What did Mussolini do? Burnt books. What did Stalin do? Burnt books. What did Mao do? He not only killed everybody that was smart, he killed the doctors, the lawyers, the Rinpoche's, that's a Buddhist a priest, the ministers, the rabbis. 78 million people, right? But the first thing you do is you get rid of literacy because people who read think, people who think, question, people who question and ask questions say, Hey, 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 no, no, no. We're not gonna do this. And then, you know, they, they and they remonstrate. And I'm trying to get everyone to I'm shaking them and say, Wake up, read my book. Right. Not well, this me, is it for you because it'll transform you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, um, we can get started on another topic. We'll keep going on this though to finish these up. Okay. So the next thing he talked about was weariness. And I know um, you get to a point where the more you love and are infused in your passion, you obviously take care of your health, which is so important for leaders. Cause if you're going to run the race, you got to stay in physical shape too. But how do you cope with weariness as a leader? How do you recharge?
1: Okay. So for, I love your questions. I can buy bifurcate almost everyone. Um, first of all, I exercise seven days a week and, and, you know, I, when, when our gym is open, I spend three days a week cause I have a giant body that likes to aggregate fat for some reason. I don't know why it does, but it does. So it just, it, it I can look at food and it gains calories. A funny
0: way to say it. I like that Mark. Uh,
1: well, my, my wife is a nutritionist. So she makes sure that we do really healthy food. Thank God. And, and I don't eat junk. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's number one is you got to exercise, and you and by the way, because I'm 72, I can talk. You've got to do resistance training. Mm-hmm. All of us have been taught you could walk or run and get well, it isn't true. Your body needs resistance. Mm-hmm. It, it needs you got to do some weights or bands or Pilates or yoga. One of right. them. I don't care what you do, because when Art and I wrote that book, we said, look, to live would be 100, and he lived to be 98. and The only reason he died is because his wife died, and he wanted to be with her. Just mm-hmm. like my teacher Bucky Fuller. I was with him three days before he died, and it was 89, and his, he promised his wife, we're romantic, I will die before you. She calls him up, and said, Bucky, Dr. Fuller, Bucky Fuller, I think, Bucky, I'm going to die. He immediately left Washington with my good friend Tom Crumb, flew back and held her hand and died two minutes before she did. I thought, is that romantic? Talk about weariness, because Bucky, Bucky, back to weariness, Bucky only slept two hours a day because he said... I really can help make the world work. And, and right. he convinced guys like me, because I'm one of the seven that traveled with him, you know, that, that we can make the world work for 100% of humanity and a way to do it for the first time. Now, Christ said it in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have, have life and have more abundantly, but he didn't have the tool technology. He could see it, but didn't have it. Today, mm-hmm. we got tool technology that we can literally do stuff that mm-hmm. could not be done. And we could literally, for the first time, as real leaders, take care of 100% of humanity. And and I'm excited to be part of that kind of technology.
0: Okay. And Mark, at the very start of the interview, I know you had, I heard you mention uh, uh, Bucky uh, Buckminster Fuller. And I wanted to go back to that because we had a storm here. My internet went out a little bit, but I I don't know if you knew this, but he is one of my top five heroes. I read some books of his Buckminster Fuller and I was just like, for our listeners out there, I would encourage you to find out about this man. And I can't believe you you actually work with him. Did you say, or, or created with him?
1: No, I, I spent seven years traveling with Bucky in grad school. So because, you know, what, what happened is I was going to be a doctor of physiology when Alfred Richardson and Bucky, were Dr. Fuller, were both part of NASA down in Houston getting us into space. OK. And, um, Alfred Richardson was the smartest guy I'd ever heard. He could make you want to learn physiology is entertaining. He looked like crap. He'd been irradiated so he looked gray in that but he was funny he was light he'd let the he was always he's always said students first administration second how was it students first faculty second administration never and I thought what a cool <laughs> guy and and you know and, and he really was that way and and one day I go into his office and his, his experimental laboratory and I was working with him and he said Bucky Fuller the smartest man on the planet is talking and you're going with me I said no, Al, you're Dr. Richardson, you're the smartest guy. I said, no, no, you come in here, this guy. So we go and there's 5,000 kids in the arena. I was at a school of 64,000 people, Southern Illinois University. And Bucky starts with 10 words I'd never heard. Remember, I got a four-point, and I think I'm smart. And he says, we're going to talk about cosmogony, cosmology, epistemology, synergetic, energetic math. And I thought, oh, I, you know the term sophomoric, Tracy? Yeah. yeah. I was sophomoric. <laughs> I thought I knew something. And by the way, I got a daughter right now that, that is completely sophomoric. And she'll call me and say, well, dad, did you ever read Plato's Republic? And I go, yeah. And then she she wants to know if I really know about the cave and everything. And she goes, damn, you're not a, my ex-wife. Yeah. It smirches me a lot. So she said, you're not as dumb as mom says you. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, the, the Plato's
0: yeah. the cave. People need to watch that too or read that. That's incredible.
1: Yeah. So, so back to Bucky, you know, it, if you're going to read something, if you can get a copy of I seem to be a verb, that's an easy way in. Okay. The next easiest way in would be utopia or oblivion, because that's where we're at. If you're a, a te- I, I've got all 40 of his books pretty much memorized. But oh. if you're in education and you want leadership, he said education automation. And that's really where we're going. But the, the, there's a part the education that Bucky totally missed. And and what it's called is entrainment. Entrainment is when you're with a great and inspiring teacher. Like I had great and inspiring teachers by choice, right? I audited all the classes. And then I did the same thing for my kids when my oldest, my youngest, now oldest daughter, but, uh, you know, Elizabeth went to school. I sat in six elementary school classes and I mentally, I was firing all the teachers. I got to the sixth one, Mrs. Fellows, who became great friends. She, she actually flunked my little daughter and kept her in twice. She said, she's not emotionally mature, Mark. And I think we better keep her back. And she won't know it now, but if you flunk her later, uh, she won't do it. And I went, wow. But but she sang to the kids. She had to whisper in each other's ear and she did it in English. She's Spanish. She played the piano. She had them roll up like an O to make sure they understood the whole alphabet and a Q like that with the tongue out. And it just, I, I said, this is, I want to take kindergarten again. I mean, this woman, you know, the term in Hawaii, Akamai, it means you got it together. You know, you got it together and your results clicked. Miss Everybody got an A in Mrs. Fellows class. And in oh. kindergarten, you don't get grades, but it just, you know, and i had had a kindergarten teacher that was that good and well-educated and loving. And that's what got me. So my parents who were quasi illiterate because they spoke Danish, not English. And we lived in little Denmark, so they didn't have to. Right. But, but I, I love my kindergarten teacher so much, Tracy. I went up to her and said, Ms. Schneider, when I get older, I'm gonna marry you. She said, Marky, that's really nice, but I'm happily married. I said, He'll die.
0: (laughs) That must have just meant the world to her. What a high compliment. For a I little mean, boy to say that.
1: Oh, she was, she was, and one of our daughters is a special ed teacher and every one of the little boys wants to marry Kelly yeah. and they're like four and five. And, and here's the interesting thing. When you have a great teacher, like our daughter Kelly is it, is it what happens is she has 15 kids in the morning when school is open and 15 and she's heartbroken that they wanted to teach electronic. You can't do special ed electronically back to nice. entrainment. You've right. got to be with the teacher to, to get rid of your whatever. And there are no learning disabilities or just, we all have multiple intelligences, like Gard, Dr. Gardner teaches at Harvard, and what they need is exploration. And I wanna give an example of that real mm-hmm. quick on leadership, if I could. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happened is she found four kids in the morning, Tracy, and four kids in the afternoon that were actually doing fifth and sixth grade level. They But they look like, if you'd met Bill Gates when he was four years old going like this and didn't know what Asperger's was, you gotta right. get kid, kids out. Let me just give my quick example that fits here on leadership. In Horatio, we have the two greatest orchestrators as far as I'm concerned of all time. Now, I don't know every orchestrator in the world, but I know these two guys pretty well and their mm-hmm. friends. Quincy Jones, I know him a little bit. David Foster, I know a whole lot. Both of them failed out of school. They're full-time F students, sort of like your dad. Mm-hmm. But you've got to admit that Quincy made a guy named Michael something, Mr. Jackson to me, right? And, and David made somebody named Celine and Whitney, and we can go through it. And if you haven't seen Hitman or listened to it, you want to do it because his music is the best in the world. But the school system does, this is what you're going to do. You're going to learn it and you're going to repeat it to me. That's not education. Education is ask you, find out what your talent is. How, How do you predict that somebody could lead an orchestration, could take somebody that's a good, talented person and make them an enormous talent? I don't know how to do that. By the way, I do it with a lot of people because you know I ran a hundred million dollar company called. When we did the One Minute Millionaire, we had four thousand people a weekend coming, four days every weekend, forty weeks a year, and we took. I created more millionaires than anyone because I said, "Look, there's one right, perfect, easy, and acceptable way for everyone to become a millionaire." And there's a million ways to become a millionaire. I don't want you to try to do what I do. I'm going to teach you 38 ways to do IP intellectual property. One of which was your dad's. I mean, he you know he took ip that was public domain and wrote a forward to it and reprinted and brought it out of being dead back to life mm-hmm. and and that's viable and today a lot of authors that are dead like one of my former neighbors who I loved clive Cussler, right he's got other people writing this stuff now even though he's gone
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is pretty dang amazing and and today with biopics we're seeing biographies and 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 and, and if you go to markcudrans.com and I I did a course, a virtual course called You Have a Book in You course, which I want everyone to write a book. So go look at the videos there. But it it is amazing because one of the guys I got interviewed by said, well, everybody ought to do a documentary today because you can do it on your cell phone and cut in pictures and bring people that are dead back to life. And the example, I was on Adam Carolla's show with 4 million people with my wife, Crystal. And he said, look, I'm now doing documentaries. And I started with Paul Newman, who created Newman's Own. And then Paul Newman, who had such a big heart and dedicated all that money to kids like your dad did with Christmas Park, said, "Hey, wait a second. There's a black guy you got to help." And Adam, who's you know colorblind, says, "What? What do I got to do?" And he said, "There's a guy that is winning the Indianapolis 500 and Trans Am and all that, and he goes by half of a name, Uppity." So Adam makes this video with Paul Newman, and then he calls this guy up, and the guy comes in. He's got a real name, Willie. Uh, rap. But he said, uh, well, he said, no, 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 everybody calls me uppity. It's a half name. And he said, that's what you're going to call the movie. So Adam makes these two movies. And, and a movie I didn't think I would like. I'm a movie maven, but my wife and I went to see um Ford versus uh Ferrari. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, all of a sudden, Netflix has called me, offering me fortunes to do Paul Newman's movie. And then they said, well, we want uppity too. And he said, everybody ought to be considering that too. If you can write, you ought to be doing documentaries. And awesome. gosh knows you could bring a lot of these dead people back to life.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely. And,
1: you know, yeah. we're thinking that we want to be in that part of the business too, just because people will watch more than they'll read, which is tragic because reading opens your mind and imagination. But I if you know. write, you become wise, you become refined, you become defined.
0: Well, and that's why Dad loved, and you know, we would have the book reports. We would earn money allowance by doing book reports. Five dollars, right? Yeah, yeah. And he always picked history. Or your brother. Yeah, that was Jeff. We all did it. You know, we all needed some extra cash. It's like, well, let's start reading. You know, he took the TVs away. So what else is there to do? Play outside, get a job, read. Okay. Or schoolwork. Did
1: he, he took the TVs away?
0: Yeah. When we were in high school, I think now the other kids were grown, but this, so this was an experiment. Uh, you know, there was four older ones, eight years, and then my little sister and I. So during us, <laughs> dad's like, yeah, the trash in trash out here, uh, Cleve McCleary or somebody speaking about, you know, what we all know this, but he took all the TVs. I was probably in eighth middle school and he just took them out of the house and said, no more TVs in the house. And we were like, ah, uh, you know, could you imagine if you did that today? He's like, read. So, you know, w- so we read more than we typically read, but it was autobiographies, biographies, history. Um, I like science fiction. So I did a lot of C.S. Lewis, Isaac Asimov. Oh, you know, yes, like
1: and I read most of Isaac.
0: Yeah, yeah. Most, so, people, most
1: people don't understand how seminal that work is to the videos that are being made today. I know. They haven't so, read it, so they all assume, oh, George Lucas created all this. No, Lucas is exceedingly brilliant and well-read. I read his biography, as a matter of fact, and Spielberg's. And I read it. Can I talk to that a second? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're
1: talking about leadership here. And and I'm the marketing guy. Jack is third in his class at Harvard. I'm not taking anything from Dr. Canfield. That's not my goal. My goal is to say he was the inside both of us are good writers, but on the outside, I, I went and interviewed the 101 best-selling fiction and nonfiction authors. I didn't ask them how to write. I know how to do that. I asked them, how do you market? And then I put it together as a while of a business plan because I said, hey, wait a second. I, and what I teach in my book course, which uh, uh, your assistant leads, uh, you've got to talk to me. I got to talk to you about yeah. I say you write a great book, you chase greatness, but then 90% of it is marketing and selling. So I spent my time doing how to do marketing and selling it because that's what I studied. That's what I've mastered. That's why I, I've sold more books than anybody and people said, "Well, you can't outsell the Bible." I said, "Watch this," and I did chicken soup of the whole Bible. And we sold seventy thousand a week at Walmart because I figured out what to do. It was a purple cover, so it didn't scare people, and it did little stories to get in the big story. And it just it just went, you know, yeah. just because yeah. you outthink the marketplace.
0: Right. I love that. Well, and that's so true. For and I want to talk more about writing the book, but you know, by reading a biography or an autobiography, you know, Dad did that because he's like, I know Lincoln more than his mother knew him. I know Patton, and and we read this to get what to what a great that. line you know, it's the way it is. Okay. So now you, with all (laughs) entrepreneurs, you know, our minds go a mile a minute. We can probably juggle 50 plates at a time, whether we should or not is debatable, but the next price he talks about, Mark, is abandonment. How do you stay hyper-focused? I mean, because the bigger you get, you know, the old new levels, new devils, how do you stay on point not not get pulled off to mission drift, and how do you how do you stay focused on what you need to do? Because you you that is how you have become so successful. You cannot do it without that without that focus. So what what does abandonment mean to you?
1: Again, you ask all these questions that are deep and and uh, multi level. Uh, I'll do abandonment last, but I wrote a book called the power of focus. And I said, Ah. what you can do is you got to do it like a best of eight tennis tournament where these two play. And then that one goes, these two play and that goes, and then you put it out and you figure out what is the driver driver that if you get the driver, you get everything else. For example. I am the goal we have, and we have, we just had it done is we haven't sold a million of this yet, but I want to sell a million before Christmas. So we put a new sign on here over a million sold. because the mind is visually oriented. So my wife and I are looking at it and you put it on the mirror in your office and in your home and my wife, you know, and in the old days, Jack and I had it in our offices and home for us being number one. And we did Scott Peck. We white it out his name and put ours on the new york times bestseller list us put it on our office mirrors because you look at the mirror when you're doing makeup or shaving and it brands into the brain and etches in the fabric of the buying so you're there before you get there because in neville's great book resurrection he says you've got to live in the assumption of the wish Mm-hmm. Fulfilled. You gotta be there before you get there. That's visualizing is realizing. I did a whole set of tapes on that that anyone could listen to. And I, I'm really good at it. And I've visualized and imagined that I could be where I am. And I'm no I still want to do a billion books, which is, you know, so the only one that the only time I could feel abandoned is if I abandoned myself. That's one level. A different level though is that two of our daughters are are adopted. So I did I championed the book uh Chicken Soup, of the Adoptive Soul. And the first line I wrote was, I want every kid to be a loved kid. Mm. And then taking it way forward to today, my wife and our co-chairman of ChildHelp.org, we've helped in sixty years. They've been around way before I showed up, but sixty years, the two little ladies that started there were the Bob Hope shows, and they were little starlets in a TV show. You won't necessarily remember Ozzy and Harriet. They dated the two boys, Ricky Nelson and, and David, oh, yeah. and, and they were superstars. But they're in with Bob Hope in, in Japan, and all the uh, servicemen that left little. Um, the big word is miscegenated. Uh, Kids of careless parentage. Let's do it in English so everyone knows what I'm talking about here. I I have a vocabulary that's pretty unstoppable. I love vocabulary. Anyhow, um, they they adopted those 11 kids, got the whole military to help out, pay, rebuild the orphanage, do stuff that you can't do. And now, 60 years later, we're still doing it, but they've helped 10 and a half million kids get out of uh, abuse, neglect, and sex trafficking, all of, you know, and these two little ladies are still alive. We put them in our book, Ask, so you can read about them, Sarah O'Mara and Yvonne Federson, and they're just the most, they're little, forgive me, they're diminutive in height, so they are earth angels, how's that? I mean, when they can come up to me, I gotta bend down to hug them. I look like Shaq next to them, right?
0: I love it, I love it. And I love you dad did
1: that too, because he was big, sorry.
0: Well, no, no. But when you talk about um, the, ten- the the tournament where you kind of l- let's run, because a lot of people, they get frozen. Like, well, I'm not sure what the right answer is. and It's like, well, just start doing anything because stuff is either going to rise to the top or you're going to go, yeah, we can't, we got to stop doing that. So, but I've never thought of it in terms of like brackets and seeing what gets to. That's fascinating.
1: That's what I put in, in Power Focus because I bracket everything. So right now you say, well, you're you're you've got all these books out fighting each other my books don't fight each other my books right. when when just like what your dad did and what i believe is that I, i'll just do one of the guys your dad and i read everybody is james allen i'm sure he threw that at you as a man think i mean just yep. I, I can't imagine you anyone in the jones family not knowing that book title right, right? And, it, and he was a poet laureate of, of great how do you ex- i can do his poetry if you want but the point is is it so so what is the bracket that makes it for me well Right now, all media is shut off to normal authors, so you said to go through the good the bad and the ugly, our publisher we got we had three major houses we're with right now, and it breaks my heart that like i I did three books with Random House where I got paid a million dollars each, and they've just laid off everybody because're they're, they're closed. If there's mm-hmm. not cash flow, right I, I do the metaphor, and then I'm going to tell you the problem. but the metaphor is if, if I put a tourniquet on my arm and, and it constricts the blood flow totally and absolutely. The arm ultimately withers and it falls off mm-hmm. that's what that's what closed down economies do and the scientist Fauci and that who are out to lunch he's looking at one thing only and we can't look at one thing this is a mm-hmm. multi-variable problem and we got to open up the economy we got to open up trade again that's what caused the depression in 1929 to 20, 39. they closed down the economy you can't we're the evil there's four kinds of evil I started to tell you earlier that, that are trying to do that. Okay, so back to it. So our publisher calls up and said, this is in March and says, Crystal Mark, I got to tell you that uh, the bookstores aren't opening and, and uh, uh, Barnes and Noble isn't paying their bills because they can't even pay their real estate bills. And uh, you're not going to get distributed because we're going to do the 20 tour of the 20 biggest bookstores and I name them because I've been to them before. It's not like this would be the first time on this rodeo. And I said, so what? He says, well, you're going to have to do something I can pull back your book, and we do. I didn't know. No, 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 no. You don't ever pull back my book. The world needs my books. Mm-hmm. I, God, if you'll forgive me for being a little uh, in alignment with God, I think I am. And at, a, at a, my wife and I pray and meditate for an hour first thing every morning. And when we were falling in love, we we're at uh, Mother's Market. It's so definitively remember it when we lived back in Newport. And a, a little old man of the cloth was sitting next to us. And said, "You guys are so in love. Do you do you mind if I tell you something?" I said. Okay, I, I wasn't really, but I. I he said, "Well, I'm ahead of Billy Graham Ministries, and, and uh, here's what we've learned in 70 years I've worked with Billy." And I said, "I love Dr. Graham; he's a friend." So, what is it? He says, "People that pray out loud together mm-hmm. stay together, mm-hmm. and marriages work." Mm-hmm. And my wife, who'd prayed in church and prayed you know, groups, but never prayed out loud spousely. And so we did it and it works. And it just, and I'm recommending it as one of the things we put in ask because it, it just is important to do it. So back to it, my publisher calls and says, hey, look, mm, I don't know what's going to do it. So, you know, four or five months ago, I'd started listening to podcasts when I'm spinning it at, I, you know, you get tired of listening to the ladies say, push harder, push harder. You got to go 120 revolution a minute. I go, "Oh, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sweating should, so yeah. Yeah, I'm sweating so hard. My I didn't know your eyelids could sweat on the outside, but that's how much you sweat and you get melted down. I'm a, a lifetime bicycle racer, so I was fine with it. But the point is, is it, uh, I said, no, 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 I'll figure out a way to sell. Because remember, I said adversity is opportunity. Mm-hmm. Ying and yang, 6,000-year-old symbol, crisis equals opportunity. We are, ladies and gentlemen, in the biggest crisis ever. This isn't a question mark. If it's a question mark to you, you're not alive right now or awake. And so guess what? That's the biggest opportunity ever. And so I said, well, if it is, I'm going to figure out how to do it. And now I say that podcasts like you're doing are the new television radio. Podcasts are 1950s when TV, ABC, NBC, and CBS started. We're there now. And you say, "Well, come on, give me a break. Why is that true?" Well, Joe Rogan just got a hundred million dollars to go to Spotify. I saw but he's that not alone. This is going to happen a lot, and and uh, I predict. And and we're gonna we're having breakthrough. And people are switching from Facebook, which is saying, "Hey, wait a second, we get to decide whether you tell the truth or you tell a lie." Right. So, so yesterday, 500, million, 500 major uh, people are switching and saying hey wait a second we're going to podcast because this is crazy and we're going to go to individuals like you and me and us you know and I I, thank you God because there's always a way that's one of the things every leader's got to know there's always a way and it's not going to be obvious to most people so we start doing podcasts and like I told you we're doing four or five a day we still got uh we we did one as early as seven this morning I got another one right after you so um and now and 45 minutes so we can't stay forever but and they're and you know and they're bursting and what's happened is is that not only did I learn about podcasting but now we we know about guys like Jeffrey Hazlitt who does the c-suite and we got um the the guy who has 65 the biggest podcasters in a group I'm talking to all them Then another guy introduced, because if you keep working, you find out what the market is. I'm going to talk about that as leadership in one second. Um, I just got to give the preface here. Is it the guy, there's a podcasting news. Did you know that? There's a podcasting newsletter and magazine.
0: Wow. No, I did not. Okay,
1: well, I'll introduce you to the guy, Steve. Okay, yes. awesome. He's got us on as a feature, but he's so busy, he doesn't have us on until August 27th. And it, relative to some people will be watching this three months from now, so you're going to go, well, that's past. so I can go back and watch Mark on Facebook somewhere. You can, and God bless, and you'll like it. The point I'm making is would what, what Bucky Fuller taught me, a gazillion things, one of which was he was a systems theorist. He said, every system has an inside and outside. And this finishes a story I started and didn't finish. I opened the loop and I'm glad you're letting me wax on here. But inside and outside, I started outside the podcasting system. In this four months, I'm becoming a master of podcasting. And that's why people are starting to call Crystal Mark the the king and queen of podcasting because as far as I know, and our publisher can't believe it because our book sales are going like that. Yes. Everybody else is sinking. And I'm saying, hey, look, you guys and ladies, all of us need to do this. If you've got really good ideas and you really understand what Christ said, the greatest amongst you, servant of all, not servant of one, not servant of two, not servant of yourself, servant of all. You don't get to quit, right? That's that retirement thing. Back to when that weekend, I promised you I'd talk about Luke Lucas. When I read his book and I read Spielberg's book in one weekend, they'd made 800 million on ET, but they made a billion and a half on licensing. And so I go into Jack's office, he lived in, back then he was in Culver City, now he's in Santa Barbara. I went to Jack's office, I said, Jack, we are gonna license books, nobody has ever done it, and I'm gonna lead it. Mm -hmm. He said, what the hell do you know about licensing? I said, Jack, this much, zero. (laughs) But remember, Bucky taught me everything is a system, and it has an inside and outside. We're outside, but it's a definite system. It has a beginning and an end. And I'm going to know everything about it within a year just because I'm going to monster mash it. And we did it. I've sold $2 billion worth of books so far, made more. But I've done a billion dollars worth of licensing when everyone said you couldn't license stuff in books. And and the best example is when I was a little kid, I, I, I won my own bicycle and I sold Christmas cards. I read Boy Scout Life magazine and said you could sell Christmas cards on, on consignment. And I'd come up to neighbors like you and I'd say, Miss Tracy, I'm earning my own bicycle. Would you like to invest in one box Christmas cards or two? Right. And how many would you buy? Four. Yeah, right. And if, yeah. No, there, is no,
0: there is no option not to buy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right.
1: And that's why I said it's either yes or yes. Yeah. And I sold the most ever with this company called Gibson Greeting. Well, 35 years later, they come into my office on their little golf stream and say, you know, uh, we love what Chicken Soup's doing. We see that you're the top licensing here and here and here. Would you do, would you write Christmas cards for us? And I go, yeah. And remember, they came to Mark, not Jack. So not only did we do it, but we sold 897,000 Christmas cards. And we were competing with Hallmark with, if you told me I could do that, in uh, you know, 35 years later, I would have said, come on, Tracy, what are you thinking? Why okay. would I be able to do that? But. And Jack never believed it. And and he may not cop to the fact that I discovered this opportunity and did it because, you know, he got half everything because we're 50-50 partners. Uh But uh, I I promise you that's the way it came down.
0: I love it. I love it. And I want to talk on, we'll we'll talk more about the books thing at the end. Okay, so last, Vision. How do you, dad always said vision isn't, you know, people, you look at the people you ran with Buckminster Fuller, um, you know, Clarence Thomas, and you're like, oh, I can never have that. But my dad always said that vision is just seeing what needs to be done and doing it. Just, and I love that when, when Bucky breaks it down to everything is a system. He's so right. And that was my dad. He was like, yes, you can have the motivation, but it ju- you see what needs to be done. And then you, you know, th- what is it? inch by inch, life's a cinch. You map out the system. So how do you set your vision? How do you grow your vision?
1: Oh, God, I love the multiplicity of layers of your question. First of all, the richest man of all times is worth $6 trillion is Solomon. Solomon said, without vision, without vision, we perish." it. Right. What does that mean? It means in English, transliterated, it means with vision, we flourish. Yeah. So I have a vision right now that I'm going to sell a billion books. Mm-hmm. If you go online and look at my critics, they their argument is no one's ever sold a billion books, so you can't. Well, dumbass squared. Think about it a <laughs> second. No one could sell a million and a half in a year and a half, then no one could sell 5 million a year, and then no one could sell 10 million a year, no one yeah, could sell yeah, fifteen yeah. million a year, and I've done all that. So I, I, I personally am telling you unequivocally, whether I'm alive or dead, a billion books will get sold. And I plan on being alive. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that part. And everybody needs a vision. And I've redefined. Then the next word is system. I love acronyms, as did your daddy. Is it save yourself time, energy, and money? That's what a system does. You figure out what the system is. And the system in broadcasting for me is that when we're done with a show, I'm going to say, Tracy, I want you to recommend me to three other people that I do podcasts with. Right. And write a nice uh, letter of favorable intent. And I got, you know, like today, we'll get six or eight or 10 or 12 letters to other people. And then we'll sort through it. We'll put it through the value system that we got to trying to get to the most people or the people that that I respect. Like I love, respect, admire and trust you and your dad and your family. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part to that. You had one. What was the last the last part? I'm missing. There's a last part to the question. Oh, yeah. 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 The story. The story. Yeah. Story. In in chicken soup. You know, uh what was your dad's exact quote about vision?
0: Um, that vision is just seeing what needs to be done and doing it because a lot of people will see it, but they don't put any execution plans into it.
1: See, that's real wisdom. Yeah. And yeah. wisdom Einstein, who I'm studied him like because Bucky was his best student as far as I'm concerned, is it and some people would argue that, but that's not the day's discussion. I get to say whatever I want. So Bucky would say, look, genius is making the esoteric and the impossible and the confounding simple so everybody can understand it. So the best story we have on this point in, in this is Jim Stobel, who your dad introduced me to. I don't know if you know that. You're, no, I'm, I did not I'm know selling, that. I'm selling 15 million books a year and your dad calls me and says, Mark, uh, I need you to write a forward to a book. I said, oh man, if I miss one Aperture and a swinging revolving door going in. I, I my day is gone. Mm-hmm. I have hardly time, Charlie, to take a breath. He said, "No, no, no. You're going to read this book called uh, um, The Ultimate Gift." Mm-hmm. I said, "Charlie, if it was anyone else other than you, and then you want me to write a forward and an endorsement for the back, I said I'd I'd be hard pressed. Just I, I look, my publisher's got us doing twelve books a year, which is way the heck too many. Yeah. And I'm trying to walk him out of it. And he said, "No, no, no. You're going to do me one more favor." And I, I said, okay, Charlie. I'll do you one more favor. I I, I I love you, and you've been very good to me, endorsed my books, did all kinds of stuff, even sold my books sometimes from platform, and thought, wow, that's cool, and, and, you know, he'd make fun of me in front of those giant audiences with the chicken soup and hold it up, and, that was, and it was great, all, all in good spirit, because your dad loved to, you know, kick people in the front audience, uh, row, oh, yeah. today you can't get away with the stuff <laughs> you can do. Anyhow, I read the book, and I am enamored and now I want to tell you this guy's story that you may not know. 19 years old, he is fast, he is strong, he is has endurance, and his whole goal in life is one only. I'm gonna be an NFL player. Do you know that?
0: No. He's
1: recruited as an NFL player. They do the medical, the doctor comes back and says, Look, kid, I, this is the worst news I've ever had to give any human. Oh, yeah. Six months from now, you're gonna be absolutely, totally, completely yeah. blind. You'll never see again. Well, now. Jimmy, as he was called then by his parents, is self-incarcerated in a 9 by 12 room. And by the way, if you haven't had him on, you've got to interview him. By oh,
0: absolutely. Yes. He's
1: got wisdom. I can give you his phone number if you don't have it, but I think he would. He, no, he
0: would, I have. I, absolutely. We stay in touch. Okay.
1: Yeah. Because he's a, he's a genius giant. Mm-hmm. And he's locked in his room and he's got three things. He's got a television, a telephone, and a radio. And he's complaining, and his parents said, look, get out of the blind meeting, Jimmy. This is stupid. And he goes down there, and it's an echo chamber of negativity, sort of like why I said earlier in the show, nobody gets to watch over 15 minutes of media a day. Right. you got to shut it off and right. watch positive podcasts, read books like I write, self-help action books that are, help you to be self-determining as a leader, because mm-hmm. that's the critical kind of leadership, self-determination to action, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what I believe, teach, and, and practice. Anyhow, and... So many people have done so well, literally around the world, millions of people have done it. So I read this book. And oh, so first of all, finish his story. So he's sitting at the blind meeting, sits next to, if you don't know the story, Kathy, who is a blind stenographer for a law firm. And he said, you know, I used to love to watch movies. And I'd love to see somebody throw a right hook. But now that I'm blind, I can't see it anymore. Somebody ought to do something about that. Now, this goes with your dad's line. This is the whole leverage of my book. Everybody can do something about some problem they got and cash it. They can find the gold mine inside it, the acres of diamonds, to use Russell Conwell's sure. term, the neighbor there that founded Temple University. Well, he says that, and Kathy says, whoa, this is the answer. Whoa, we're somebody. Why can't we do it? We're, I'm somebody. Why can't I do something? Right. And, and he looks at her, and all of a sudden, he got it. They created, in case you don't know it, I think you'd know it, narrative television. They have forty million people a month at $10 each. This is one of the biggest streaming services in the world. And then, you know, I wrote the endorsement and the forward to his book because I was just blown away. And I said, this book is so wonderful, so critical that it must become a movie. Now, Jim says, if I live to be 100 years, it won't be a day. You're not in my prayers. And thank you because I made 100 million with that movie. Mm-hmm. So the last line in his story in our book, Ask, The Bridge from Your Dreams, Your Destiny, says, I now write books that I can't read. Mm-hmm. I now make movies that I can't see. Right. So everybody that's saying, well, you don't understand how awful it is. No oh, poor me and I'm such a victim. You. The goal here is take victimhood and turn it into victorhood. I've never said that before. I hope it's an okay word. I um,
0: love it. Yes. Yeah. Coming from you?
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Mark, Mark Victorhood. Word of the day. Victorhood. Oh. Uh, and by the way, when I ran for student political office, it was Mark of victory with Hanson.
0: <laughs> I love it. That is very cool. Awesome. Well, okay. So now we've gone through the four prices. Anything else, uh, Mark, that you want to share with leaders out there about that you would just like to, some of the, the, the top leadership points that you would like to hit back on?
1: Most importantly, I think everyone needs to write your own book. Mm -hmm. And I need you to go to markvictorhanson.com, my website, and watch the videos and decide whether you can write it now. And then there's levels that you write it. And we've got a new book coming out called Speed, Write Your Autobiography. But here's the point. When you write, you become wiser. Uh You become more defined. You become more refined. You start to understand and you read more, which is what your dad and I want everyone to read more because all readers aren't leaders, as John Kennedy said, but all leaders are readers right we need vital vibrant aware leadership we don't just need intelligence anymore that's not good enough we've got to have wisdom and it's mm-hmm. got to be eclectic wisdom like Winston Churchill and and like some of the greats of our time who are great speakers but they're also phenomenal leaders and superb writers and Bucky, when he was in, the, in 1917 in World War I, helped write some of Churchill's stuff and said, we had to go over everything 15 times before he'd accept it. And, and you just, you know, you go, and I've got that in the stuff. So it just, and it's important that you understand that if you write your book, you understand what you, who you really are. You start to understand who you are, who will help you and won't help you, and who you are in God so you can have the fullness of your destiny manifested. I That's what I that. like to close with.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Now, Mark, where do people get a hold of you? How can they get your books? How do they reach out to you, connect with you? You're everywhere. Well, how do they he's get everywhere?
1: A- he's everywhere. <laughs> uh they go to markvictorhanson.com. Okay. And and if they want to write me personally, they just go to reception at markvictorhanson.com. Okay. And uh, you get the books on if you, you know uh, on Amazon because they are the big purveyor of books. And, um, you know, tell them you want it in a hurry because they have suddenly made books non-essential because they're giving food and products and other stuff. And you and I think, I think books, especially ask if you'll forgive me for bragging. Yes. And
0: I'm going to put, I'm going to share this here so people can see this. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. There it is.
1: All right. Okay. You gotta have this too. This is a you have a book in you. And I the first thing I do is 101 reasons why to write a book. The second thing is how to make money starting tomorrow, which is perfect for you because it tells how to proffer, prosper doing interviews and I, I'll talk about that. And then it goes through all the ways to market because 90% is marketing. And then last but not least, I teach you how to brand to come in. But that's the book. But the virtual course takes you in deep. And then once a month, uh, you have a telephone call with me and I'll take you anywhere you want to go. Inclusive of most people have lousy titles in their books. And the third chapter is how to write a killer title. Like this is a killer title. Uh Ask is a killer title. Up is a killer title. Chicken soup is what your mother or grandmother gave you when you're, didn't Gloria give you chicken soup if you got sick? Oh,
0: she made it. Yep, yep, yep.
1: Yeah. I mean, your mom was just the best. I mean, she was always superb to me. Your dad, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Your dad was great. Your dad was great.
0: Awesome. Well, he knew he could beat up on you. So that's why he loved you.
1: Yeah, no, no, he knew that we would have great, we would drive around in a car to different meetings together and we would have extensive dialogues on anybody that he happened to be reading at the time. And if he was driving, he'd say, you read this chapter and then I want you to tell me what it means. And it was, and everybody ought to do that with their kids or their mentees. I'll
0: tell you what, and, and you know what, I remember that just all the time, and what a way to grow, and just encourage, don't just sit there on a drive and let people just sit there and play on their devices, talk, read, discuss, apply, repeat, lather, you know what I'm saying, I mean, I just, sitting there, and I, I, when I go to a meal, if there, what I look forward to when we have a gathering is the conversation around the meal, and, you know, it's like, we, we gotta get it's back the and yeah, it is. It's so rich. And and then, I, you know, the meal was good, but I'll eat anything. I was in the military. So I'll eat, you know, uh, 10 cans like a billy goat, you know, but I I want the really deep, the dialogue, the the, the food that
1: just really sticks with you. It that- saves the soul.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and
1: my wife and I read out loud to each other all the time. And I, it, it, I think, forgive me for saying it, you and I are on the same page, but I think the world's on the wrong page because well, we'll just check channels until we find something interesting to bore ourselves with. And and unfortunately, like your dad took the TVs out of the house, it, it lowers your IQ, I think. And, and we need to have a lot of cues go. We need to have our CQ, our curiosity quotient goes up when you read. Our IQ, our imagination quotient, I've never said that before, goes up. And, it. and your WQ, your wisdom quote quotient, go, I like these things. You're allowing right? me to explore some thinking I hadn't done. I like it.
0: Here's another one coming out my new book, which is called Spark, Your SQ, Your Spiritual Quotient. You know, I hear about okay. the IQ and the EQ, but you've got to get that SQ in there because otherwise that's what ignites you. You know? And,
1: and by the way, soul is why we did Chicken Soup, yes, the chicken thought, soup for the Soul. Yes, Chicken Soup for the Soul the Your world was I mean, America was in in pain. We found out the world's in pain. Same thing with spark because what the way I define soul is is soul is that inner spark that lights you up and enlightens you so you can light and share to others. And that's what you're doing, Tracy. And and it's more now than ever because, I, by the way, whatever number I give you percentage wise, who the hell knows with fake news? But fifty percent of the people aren't using their soul. They don't even think they have a soul, and I go. Everything has a soul. The world is, a, they call it Mother Earth because Mother Earth is a soul and, and we got to take care of her. I—I I, One of my hundred year goals is we got to plant 24 billion trees, three plants. One if you were born, one if you die like in Israel and if you ever fell in love, you should plant a tree. And oh. if you're a serial lover, then you should do the forest. <laughs> and and we uh, Jack and I planted a quarter million trees. If you go into Yellowstone Park, the sign says, uh Hansen and Canfield and chicken soup at this whole planet, a quarter million trees. So I, I believe, look, I've used up so many books. I believe I had an obligation to plant the tree. And it I had to drag Jack and our publisher into doing it. Uh they said, oh, we don't care. I said, you gotta care because if you want to keep breathing, right? How do you live long and prosper? Remember oh, George. Sure. Said, keep right. Keep breathing.
0: <laughs> right. Well we got to keep paying it back. And I mean God made the earth and we're supposed to be take care of it. We're supposed to be like yeah. animals good stewards of it. Oh, Mark. Okay. I don't know what to say, Mark. I just, I can't thank you enough for the time, the wisdom, your realness. I mean, and and just, you've, you've touched so many things on so many different levels and I just, I can't wait to listen to this and get this out to our listeners. And And I just think
1: we'll put it to all our listeners too.
0: I will. Absolutely. And so I want to thank our tremendous listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast. Remember to hit the subscribe button, follow us wherever you listen to your podcast, and do us the solid of a five-star rating. We would be tremendously thankful for that. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Never stop paying the price of leadership and have a tremendous rest of the day. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.